106 miles to Chicago. We got a full tank of gas, half a pack of cigarettes. It's dark, and we're wearing sunglasses. Hit it. Good morning, Vietnam! Here's Johnny. He told me, keep your friends close, but your enemies closer. You're gonna need a bigger boat. I love the smell of napalm in the morning. I love you. I know. Say hello to my little friend. Rose, where we're going, we don't need Rose. All right. What's up, everybody? Welcome to Are You Still Watching? Episode four, right, guys? Yes, sir. Is it four? If we count the very first one, yeah, it's four. That's four. Um, we're doing things a little bit differently this week. We're not going to concentrate on a particular film, but more a director. I think he was a producer at some points, but he's a really a legendary filmmaker who uses almost the same set of actors or actresses in his films, and he has a certain style that I think we've all fell in love with it's quentin tarantino this week and um i guess my first question to the guys here is what do you guys think is his best film Ooh. Oof. harsh hard one <laughs> uh, I, 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 i'll start it off uh i think pulp fiction is definitely his best to me that was the one i very first saw and stuff like that i was about 14, saw it, loved it. I was like, I was on my way to school. And then, like, uh, later on, like, I finally, like, watched all of it and stuff. Like, you, do you guys remember, like, uh, Samuel Jackson, Bad Motherfucker Wallet? Mm-hmm. <laughs> I my wanted that wallet. Part. I wanted that. Like, I looked it up. I couldn't afford it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now that I can afford it, I realize I'm not a bad motherfucker. I'm an average motherfucker. So that's why I don't have that wallet. <laughs> So, yeah, uh, I'm definitely going to go with Pulp Fiction. Um, I'll tell you what, Josh, if you want that wallet, it's uh, $26 from bmfwallets.com. Yeah, like I said, I'm I'm an average <laughs> motherfucker. They don't make that wallet. <laughs> Frank? Um, it's either Pulp Fiction or Inglourious Bastards. Because, yeah, Pulp Fiction, I mean, that was his first, you know, his first mainstream movie because he had um, Jack Brown, Reservoir Dogs but they were both on the independent films so Pulp Fiction was actually his first movie and Glorious Bastard actually for me introduced me to um, Christopher Waltz, that's his name right? Mm-hmm. Yes? Yeah. yeah yeah. that introduced me to him and that, I never looked back on that guy because that guy <laughs> that guy is like one of the he's a gem I want to see so he's a gem in um, acting but so yeah, that's just the reason why I say Glorious Bastards because Christopher Waltz is fucking badass. <laughs> yeah, Christoph Waltz is like an amazing bad guy. Like watching him in Tarantino's films, and then he's kind of playing a good bad guy in uh, Django. Watching him in 007, he amazing actor. He's super talented. He's super intelligent. He speaks I don't know how many languages, but it's like seven, I believe. I oh, love yeah. it. And that's and Inglorious <clears throat> Bastards introduced me to him, and that's why I have to say <clears throat> Inglorious Bastards. 
But Pulp Fiction is just a classic. You can't touch that. Yeah, I think I think I'm with Frank on this one. I think Inglorious Bastards really like made me love Tarantino films and storylines, but mm-hmm. Pulp Fiction was probably like the first one that I saw that I was like, holy shit, this is really cool. And the fact that it's like three stories in one and you have that amazing cast of characters and then it, it, you just kind of get thrown into the, the pit of, oh, let's go watch this Tarantino film. Let's go watch this. Yep. <clears throat> um, have you guys actually heard the theory that all of his films are interconnected in some way, shape, or form in their own little universe? Somewhat I have. I didn't really like go too much into it and stuff like that because it's like a path you can go down. <clears throat> I noticed he does have like his own like made up brands like Big Kahuna Burger, the Red <laughs> Apple cigarettes that come yeah. in and out the movies. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, I, I saw like uh, for Reservoir Dog, uh, Vic Vega and Vincent Vega from Pulp Fiction. That's like supposed to be brothers, and that was supposed to be like a Vegas brother movie and stuff like that. That didn't happen. And yeah, I, I've like looked a little bit into like the whole universe thing and stuff. Um, I think the earlier ones are probably more connected than the, his like Glorious and the Hateful Eight, mm-hmm. Once Upon a Time. I don't think. Yeah, that, yeah. I think that it was earlier ones. Probably like Jackie Brown was probably intertwined with um, Pulp Fiction. I think I that if you actually look into those movies, I think those two were actually probably intertwined with each other. But like you said, they, he has his own brands. It's like any director that has their series. Um, John Smith has his own brand. Uh-huh. Uh, so yeah, I think what you said, Josh. Everything has. I mean, it's like the. Their um, their own brands. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> um, all right. So on the brand thing, like the recurring character or actors and characters, is that something that you guys like seeing in each of his films? Because you kind of know what to expect from these people, or would you like to see a more, I guess, a variety of actors in his films? I, I love it. Like I, yeah. I, I, I know Samuel Jackson's gonna show up. <laughs> what <laughs> he's gonna bring his own hair guy because it's gonna be different hair. hair <laughs> <laughs> you know, like Pulp Fiction, he has like Jerry Carroll, uh, Jackie Brown. He has like that fucking ponytail. <laughs> that was a disgusting ponytail, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> it, it, it worked, dude. He just looks so greasy, like. <laughs> I wanted to wash his hair and be like, dude, shower. Like, you look gross. Um, so, I, yeah. Go yeah, for it. Different. No, no. I was going to say, I mean, you have the same actors in every movie, but they know how Quentin directs. They know what the, he expects. Mm-hmm. So that's why it works with them because... They don't have to like change their acting style for him. They don't have to change their. Um, I even have that on my notes. Like they don't have to like change anything. Like they know what they Quentin expects out of them, and they deliver it without it being forced onto the screen or anything like that. And I think that plays into why his films like they're they're so unique, especially with the actors, because you you have a crazy cast. In a lot of them, and then you have these recurring ones. You have uh, Tim Roth, you have Uma Thurman. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, what's Michael Madsen is he, he always kind of pops up 
And I'm just like, he doesn't look like he'd fit, but the characters that he plays just, they work so well in the dynamic. And, and I love it. Like watching the hateful eight the other day, I was like, you know, I wouldn't pin him for a cowboy, but holy shit. He, he plays it pretty well. It grows on you. It does. Like he, and he's all, because the movie's four hours long. <laughs> <laughs> That's the only one I can't get through, man. It, it, he always plays like these guys that look like they're very brutal. But what I liked about him, the hateful way in the beginning, he comes off as like kind of like just like a down on his look cowboy. And then like later on, it subverts that and you just like, oh, shit, he's still fucking brutal. <laughs> this is still the guy <laughs> that cut off an ear to stuck in the middle with you. That was, I love it, by the way. Just, just <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I know we're talking about um, um, in Quentin, but I know uh, one of our viewers asked us, or one of our listeners asked us about uh, Breaking Bad. Did Walton Goggins ever join the Tarantino franchise, kind of? Yes, I can't dude. remember him. Yeah, yeah, right? No, I would say so. Yeah. Oh, I, I remember him in um, Django when he was the one yeah. burning uh, Jamie Foxx's uh, When he was like, the last time I saw you, you was holding my jumps and he shoots him in the dick and he's like, ah, ah. <laughs> yeah. So he did join the franchise, right? Uh, yeah, uh, and then he Tarantino was in the afterwards, too. It, he, oh, yeah, he, he is wonderful in like the yeah. hateful eight. I just thought I'd bring that up because I love Walton Goggins, oh, yeah. especially in Breaking Bad. <laughs> I mean, I mean, I mean, yeah. <laughs> Sons of Anarchy. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah. So not Breaking Bad. Sons of Anarchy. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. I got, I got you. I got you. It's early. <laughs> um, we got the Wire, which I, I'm still gonna watch, uh, Josh. <laughs> On the list. That's all I gotta say. It's on the list. Yeah, it's on the list. It's on the list. First to talk. But yeah, but, uh, I'm I'm glad that you brought him up and stuff like that. I, I hateful eight was one like we all kind of like rolled our eyes and of was like who's gonna take that? <laughs> no, I can't. I, I can't. I can't. I can't. Is this? I seen the first up until he gets to that little house. I seen it mm-hmm. all up to the, there, but I just can't. Like it's just oh man, it's too long. You know what? You know what helped me with that is watching the. The four episodes. Yeah. For uh, Hateful Eight. Eight. It's like a, like a miniseries. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, like mm-hmm. the way they cut it was perfect because it wasn't too much information at once. It wasn't like it had nice stopping points where you didn't have to. Oh, shit. What did I leave off? So I, I enjoyed that. But watching it the first time before it was cut, I was just like, Dude, what am I doing? This is, <laughs> it's way too long. <laughs> I, I think it's like the psychological effect. I've seen people say that, like, you can watch a whole series or something, but a lot of people can't sit through like a three-hour movie. So it's just like you said, like yeah. it's four episodes. Like I stopped, I watched two episodes, I stopped, and then the next day I saw two more episodes, and I was like, mm-hmm. man, this flows a whole lot better than just like watching it all the way through. So I think that might play a part. But yeah, like it, even like doing the extended version I was still like why the fuck is this like here <laughs> the best part of this the best part of this is I'm over here talking shit about the hateful eight but I'm gonna watch Justice League when it comes out in one sitting <laughs> <laughs> he's like give me that four hours baby give me that four is hours is it gonna be four hours 
Yep. Yeah. Holy four shit. hours uh, movie. The, the, the I didn't know that. I thought that was Snyder's cut was just like different scenes, and he's redoing Joker for that, right? Yeah, he, he redid a lot of it for that, actually. Oh, see, I don't, I don't follow. So thanks, guys, for updating. <laughs> but uh, let's get back to Tarantino before we go down that. Yeah. Easy path. <laughs> well, um, so we went through the, the recurring characters and all that. Um, how do you guys feel about the music in Tarantino movies? Because I know we're all music buffs and like, I think that was just something that really, it m- made the movies in a lot of them. Mm-hmm. A very surfer feel. It's like a very, for me, it's like a very, sur- like his later movies, Gives me a surfer vibe, like mm-hmm. California, old school. You know, like yeah. Hey, I'm I'm here to make a good movie, but I'm here to also have fun. Mm-hmm. And See I, that? yeah, it's like I was watching a Pulp Fiction, and you know when the credits start rolling in the beginning. Yeah, it's it's um, I don't know what the song's called, but it's just like it gets you ready for a good time. Mm-hmm. I'm trying to say. And it works for it. it works for his movies, especially for his movies. And then he could make the the surfer vibe with Pulp Fiction. He could put that with um, Inglorious. He could put that with um, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it works. I mean, and I love it because it gives me a different. It's not like the same old score like we have with the Joker. I mean, nothing wrong with the Joker's classical symphony vibes. Um, but it gives you like a different feel when it comes to mu- music and movies. For sure, I, I love his like sixties and seventies like R and B music and stuff like that. Like Frank said, uh, like the song that plays like over the credit. I think it's like uh, Mizoru or something like that. It's like pure soul football, and then like it goes into like uh, Boogie Nights. I mean, uh, <laughs> not not Boogie Nights, Jungle Boogie. Yeah, well, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Are like in the chorus yeah. playing and stuff like that, and then uh, the opening scene of uh, Jackie Brown, which kind of takes it from like the graduate, like she's like in the airport going through, and they're playing that Bobby Womack across 110th Street, and it's just like growing up on that type of music. I'm just saying, I was like, damn, this this motherfucker gets it. Like he, you can tell he's somebody that takes <laughs> the soundtrack serious and stuff like that. He probably listens to like a ton of music. He might like write to music and stuff like that and like fit certain songs into certain scenes because it's just too perfect. And just and on to the like, I, I think what makes us all such big fans and so like this is a person that loves movies and his loves of movies come through his work. Like you, you see it like he's very influential and then like everything that influences him, he throws it into his work. He has uh, he can take certain music scenes from other things and he'll just like come up with his own scenario for it. And it's it, it works for him. Like a lot of people are not able to pull that off. Like it comes off like a rip off. But for him, it's very original. And I think it's crazy that he didn't go to film school and his films are iconic for forever. Like I, I don't think there's a movie from Tarantino that isn't going to kind of stand past the test of time. Like you can watch it in 30 years and you're still going to enjoy it regardless of, you know, I'm 
80 years old. I'm on my deathbed, but I want to watch Pulp Fiction just one more time. <laughs> <laughs> for sure, for sure. <clears throat> um, so, Josh, I know you had some questions as well. Do you want to go through those? Yes. My first question is, what was the first movie of his that did you guys see? Oh, um, this is where I'm going to get kind of weird because... <laughs> <laughs> It wasn't his movie in per se. My first introduction to Tarantino was a Robert Rodriguez film. Okay. By the name, by oh, the name of, all right. Yeah, by the name of uh, From Dust Till Dawn. Yes, sir. Yeah. So when I saw, I mean, of course, it has George Clooney, oh, Salma Hayek, you know. I don't even want to talk about that, but. <laughs> <laughs> She's her own episode. Yes, but. My first introduction to him was, and I didn't think he was a director. I was like maybe like eight, nine, like, oh, maybe Pulp Fiction, because not Pulp Fiction, um, Dust Till Dawn. I don't even know why my dad let me watch his movie, but <laughs> <laughs> I saw Tarantino, and I mean, I know he wrote the movie. I think he wrote the movie. Yeah, he did. Yeah, he did write the movie. But that was my first introduction to Tarantino, and, and as well as, um, as good a director he is, he's also a good actor. And playing that awkward, you know, that awkward um, killer guy, that was mm-hmm. good for him. Um, his movie in general, my very first introduction was, like you said, Pulp Fiction. Yeah. I mean, it's like I was probably 11, 12, and I saw his movie hanging in the in the, the theater with Uma Thurman. I mean, just that Uma Thurman uh, poster. movie poster is just iconic, too. She's not even a. Um, I wouldn't call her a main character in the movie. She has her own tidbit in the movie, so I think he also has that um, effect. Mm. You know, to have different stories in a in a movie, but it has to be Pulp Fiction. That was my introduction as a director to him. My introduction as him as a person was from Dust Till Dawn. Okay. Yeah, Pulp Fiction was definitely my first one. In like I said, like I was. 14, 8th grade, on my way to school. So I, I'm trying to remember. It might have been the Bruce Willis, Marcellus Wallace part, and I was just like, what the fuck? <laughs> was, and, it on a, was it on the USA Network or anything like that? Or was it like on uh, actual TV TV? Because you have to like watch his movies on... Have you seen his movies like on the on the syndicated networks? They're, yeah, so, uh, they're so edited <laughs> down it, it makes like a whole new movie. <laughs> Uh, have I seen it on just like like a basic cable channel I don't I think the I saw like a Glorious Bastards on the Sundance channel but they didn't like edit it out that much but I saw Pulp like uh, and probably was HBO so like I got to see like all of it okay (laughs) right. I don't know just kinds of blood yeah Yeah. (laughs) those movies that was silly I want to see those movies on USA, like USA Network. <laughs> I haven't seen them on USA Network or anything like that, but it'd be a different experience to watch them. A different movie, I would have to say. You know, for the longest time, that's how I watched a lot of movies because we didn't have pay channels growing up because I was, you know, broke. But um, <laughs> when I would go to my grandma and grandpa's house, they had HBO. So that's where I would watch everything uncut. Like I saw a titty on there for the first time. I was like, <gasps> but um. Pulp Fiction was definitely the first, and it's like I said earlier. I just it made me go down this path of like, who is this guy? <clears throat> mm-hmm. And um, so funny little story. 
my cousin Danny works in LA in the movie industry and he's a huge Tarantino fan and he got to work on the hateful eight set. He drove Shannon Tatum around in his mom's Hummer, like, so cool six degrees of separation. I'm one degree away from Shannon Tatum. And Tarantino <laughs> <clears throat> but, um, he was the one that like kind of pushed me more into the, the movies thing and, and getting obsessed with movies because he had, the t-shirts and he had the posters and he had that whole vibe that was very Tarantino, very cool. Like, and he's younger than me. So when I started really getting into the film aspect of life, like Danny was the one that pushed me in the direction and was like, Oh, have you seen this? Have you seen death proof? I was like, I've never seen death proof. So I'll watch death proof. And then I started watching everything. I watched Jackie Brown for the first time, I think in like 2006. That, that was, I, I felt like I was late to the party on that one, but Pulp Fiction was the one that I saw first. And I guess thanks to HBO for exposing a child to that. <laughs> I think, oh man, she said death proof. I mean, we're going to go down that road. And yeah, we'll, more we'll, questions, we'll, but we definitely will. So, my second question is what do you think is his most underrated film? And go into death proof. <laughs> I, I, I knew that was coming. I knew that yeah, was coming. I yeah. Mean, <laughs> I think it was under I mean, it's not underrated because, you know, it's a you know people don't watch it. It's because I don't think people wanted it. When I saw the Death Proof movie, I saw it in the theaters, but it was connected <clears throat> to uh, Planet Terror. Mm-hmm. And I don't think people wanted to pay all that money to see. I mean, be, wanted to be in the theater for four four hours. That's why it's underrated. That's why not a lot of people watch that movie, I think. Mm-hmm. That's when I first saw that movie was connected to Planet Terror, and that's when I used to go to movies all the time. And, yeah, I mean, that, if you go see, it was like a grindhouse kind of, one of those old school driver, drive-in theater kind of movies. Mm-hmm. But Death Proof has to be its underrated movie, and it, and it had great actors, uh, actresses, I should mm-hmm. say, because, I mean, and it was probably one of the first movies I see where the females fucking outside of Thelma and Louise, the females were like the badasses of the movie. <laughs> the car, the car chase is probably the best car chase I've ever seen in any. At the end of that movie was best car chase <laughs> I've seen in any movie. Better than Fast and Furious. I know what oh I'm yeah, saying. I'll agree to that. <laughs> <clears throat> It has so many like good scenes that people don't even like the lap dancing with uh the coasters down in Mexico playing. I was just like, oh shit, what but, the fuck? And that's what's great about it is because he made it to where that lap dance scene was a mystery. Mm-hmm. And if you look in the theater, it was uh, censored. <laughs> it had scene missing. Really? Y- yes. If you watch it in the theater, mm-hmm. it was a scene missing. It, it had like a like a cigarette burn on the on the film. And if you don't know what a cigarette burn is, a cigarette burn is, I learned this from Fight Club, a cigarette burn is basically a big black mark on the on the film strip of the old school film strips. And that's all you saw was a big black mark. And that's what it said. It said film uh, scene missing and it was a cigarette burn, basically. And they censored that whole scene in the theater. So you, in order to watch that lap dance scene, you would actually either go on YouTube now or you would have to buy the DVD. And that's how I saw it. You that. let me, you, you let me borrow the DVD. He was like, "You want to see Death Proof?" And I was like, 
What's, I, was, I was like, I think like that was like one of the few movies like I didn't see. I was like, what the hell is Death Proof? I was like, all right. And uh, like, uh, I, I love the lap dancing. And like you said, the end in car chase when they like beat the shit out of Kurt, <laughs> Kurt Russell. And they're, they're just like, yeah. And they like it freeze frame and like their hands are in there. Hold on, hold on. You never, you, said, you never saw Death Proof until I let you borrow the DVD? Yeah. Oh, shit. <laughs> How about that? I did not know that. Uh, I was like, I was like, yeah. I opened your eyes or something. Yeah. You did. <laughs> uh, what is your underrated film, Zuli? I think I'm going to go with you guys on this and say Death Proof because, again, I didn't watch it until it was probably on DVD. Because when I saw it in theaters, it was like, I don't want to spend four hours in a theater. And I think that's just a recurring thing with me. I don't, I don't want to sit down for four hours. Like, I can get to about two and a half, three. And after that, like, I just, I cannot sit down for another hour because I'll, I'll lose my shit. I swear to God. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, Death Proof has to be an underrated film and like frank says it's because it was four hours there's a lot of people that didn't want to stay there for four hours and watch it it was split into two and you were kind of like well why is it split into two this doesn't make sense and uh i'm gonna post the lap dance scene to our patreon so y'all can go watch it there um but yeah i think death proof it's a sleeper for a lot of people that haven't didn't want to go watch it go watch it it's fucking enjoyable it's it's dirty. It's gritty. The storyline's good. The lap dance scene is hilarious. Um, yeah, Death Proof is definitely the most underrated film for for Tarantino. And when I say we don't want to sit in the theater for, there's nothing wrong with Planet Terror. I mean, yeah. Robert Rodriguez makes uh-huh. his own way of movies. Like he makes the out there going out. There. I mean, we should do a Robert Rodriguez. You know, we're doing a twin, Quentin movie uh-huh. um, podcast. We should do a Robert Rodriguez uh, podcast too because he his way of movie. His way of filmmaking is different too, but there's nothing wrong with Planetary. So when you say we don't want to sit there for four hours, it's not four hours of death proof. It's four. It's two movies in one, basically. Mm-hmm. What we're trying to say, what I'm trying to say, in a in in that in in that. I get you. It's like it's like uh, Quentin Tarantino, Robert, uh, Robert Rodriguez. So yeah. one of y'all is going to get these two hours. <laughs> but it was really, really, but it was really cool because if you actually watch that in the theater. You see, Planet Terror was the first one. I remember because Planet Terror was the first one, and then you had like the trailers, and it had like an intermission. It was like an intermission too. Like you had, you could, you know, and then and then you had the trailers. It was like a big. It was like a drive-through movie. It was really cool. And then they had like, um, they had uh, trailers for other movies, but they weren't ever made. They were just like fun little trailers. Yeah. So like that that experience was <laughs> different. And I know how that's what they were trying to do is making the theater experience different. I think that's what we need now with the whole post COVID and all that. Maybe we Mm -hmm. should do another like two movies in one. That'd be a nice little change. See, now I regret sleeping on going and watching it in the theater. Yeah. So you guys say you never saw it in the theater. I'm not saying like, you know, I saw four hours of, yeah, but there was like trailers, those fun trailers. um, Mm -hmm. Let me see if I have them on this DVD. I, I think Kevin Smith directed one of them. It was like Halloween yeah. or something. Yeah. No, I'm trying to see if I have them on this DVD. Okay. Well, why are you doing that? Uh, I will say my most underrated film is, is Jackie Brown. Oh, okay. Okay. Ooh, that is definitely, to me, it's his most mature work. 
and it's super, super underrated. It's like you have uh, Pam Greer, Robert Foster, like he, like they had long careers, and he just like kind of like maybe like jump started again, like kind of like Pulp Fiction did, Bruce Willis and John Travolta. But yeah, uh, Jackie Brown, she's like a you know a black woman in her forties, probably early fifties, been through life, and she's she's just trying to hold on to this airline job. Gets caught up into some stuff with Samuel Jackson character, and uh, you know uh, it's based on the book by Elmore uh, Leonard, which is a phenomenal writer who gave us the character. Raylan Givens, which gave us the TV show Justified. Mm. <laughs> mm. I wanted to throw that out there. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, what I mean by like his most like mature and stuff like that, because it, it still has violence, it still has a lot of cussing, stuff like that. But just like these older characters who who know, <clears throat> like this is like who they are and stuff like that. Like I love the ending when her and Max Cherry and stuff like that, they share the kiss and she wants him to come to Spain and he knows like he can't go with her and stuff. So he stays there with his bell bond business and like she drives away in the car and it plays that same Bobby Womack song across 110th Street. You know what that film also introduced us to? Mm-hmm. That it's a Tarantino um, staple hold is the trunk scene. The trunk, and I have that on my notes, is that he makes... Um, filmmaking different too. Um, the trunk where you open the trunk and you're looking at the characters from the trunk, mm-hmm. that just adds a whole <laughs> new element. You know what I'm talking about, right? Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That, that had that adds a whole new element to um, because it, it puts you into the movie. That see, it shows you what the if they're trying to grab a gun or they're trying to grab this or that. It shows you what the gun is looking at when they first grab. It. I don't know. It's just different, like from what I from what I saw. Mm-hmm. He says that in a lot of his movies, too, mm-hmm. that I've never seen in any other movies. I think it immerses you more into the film that way, because yeah. one of the things that I wanted to touch on, too, was like you have a little bit of mystery in a lot of the characters, like in Inglorious Bastards, although the Apache has a neck scar, you never know where the hell he got that neck scar from. <laughs> and then you're just like, how did you not die? Look, the thing goes all the way across. And then in Pulp Fiction, the briefcase. The briefcase, yeah, yeah. Um, just the the mystery that he kind of writes in, the way that he shoots things. A lot of the the long hallway shots and the I forget what it's called the uh, the follow the steady cam work where he's mm-hmm. walking with the characters and all that. I mean, he incorporates it so well that you kind of don't really notice it until you rewatch it a second or a third time, and you're like. Holy shit, that's a cool shot. The trunk thing is a staple from him. Like, yeah, yeah. I agree, Frank. That was good, good catch. Very nice. Um, my third question mystery, is, was that the, the mystery? Yeah, I like the mystery too. Like, where he doesn't even explain it. Like, just to touch on that, um, I did go into researching on Pulp Fiction, the mm-hmm. whole uh, briefcase, and I was, you know, when I was watching it the other day, I was <laughs> like, what? What is? What is that briefcase? So I typed in. Google, what is in the briefcase in public? It's supposed to be uh, Marce- Marcellus Wallace's um, soul. I yeah, you guys heard I, about that. I, I saw that one, yeah. that, uh, that theory, because of like the band age and stuff. Yeah. <laughs> and then if you look, and then they're saying if you look at the actual movie and if you see Marcellus Wallace, 
his back has like a big scar or something where his soul was taken out of. So it was actually really cool. And I actually did some research on that movie. Okay. Uh, what do you what do you guys think about like his views on violence? He doesn't feel that movie violence inspires real life violence. Oh, it doesn't. I mean, does it? <laughs> it I thought he hated blood, right? He hated blood. Have you seen that? Uh, <laughs> no, no, no. That's what I'm saying. Like, oh, I've heard from several people, like my cousin Danny included. He doesn't like. I guess blood and violence, but yet he uses it so much oh, in his okay. movies that it's kind of like, wait, what? You don't, mm-hmm. you don't like that kind of shit? Because your movies say different. <laughs> I, like what I saw and stuff like that. Like that's a question he gets asked a lot, and like it kind of like makes him mad because he's been answering it for like twenty years. Uh, he doesn't necessarily like sees it that way like he'll say like for like gun violence it's like mental illness and like we need better mental health system i agree and he'll bring up like japanese cinema which is extremely violent and he was saying he was like they have one of like the safest like population when it comes to like violence and stuff uh it's kind of tricky i think that's like a multi-layer answer to that and he might not just be the person to like deep dive into that. And that's okay. Cause you know, it's all type of problems that we all are not like suitable to answer and stuff like that. He has his own views and you know, we all have our own views, but I guess I agree with him that it doesn't expire. Cause bringing up the multi-layer type of thing and stuff like that. Cause you know, if you suffer from like a mental illness, anything could like make that snap and stuff like that. You could watch it and it does do it and stuff like that. But like if you were a person who can who can tell the difference between fantasy and reality and stuff like that, you won't do it. Yeah. Um yeah, I mean he's right too. I mean it doesn't affect I mean filmmaking is filmmaking. You have yeah. to be an artist. Like director is still an artist. And to like try to tell these guys that hey, you can't make that movie because it's too violent. I mean, no. <laughs> I mean, look at the Joker. This is like our last episode was a Joker. I mean, did that really inspire all these shootings and all that, or all these like you know violence outside of filmmaking? I don't know. That's a mm. like a touchy subject. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, uh, I, I, you know, I just wanted to like bring that up and stuff. Like oh that, no, no, like, there's nothing wrong with bringing that. Yeah, up. yeah, it's really like because I don't know. It's a touchy. I mean, yeah, no one I know that no one I know puts the blame on all this on filming. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so, and I think like, a lot of it's hype. Like we see a lot of it with that. I'm I, please don't 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 add to what I'm about to say, but. We see a lot of it with this cancel culture. We see a lot of it with, I guess, the, the media kind of amplifying things and making an issue out of nothing. And I feel like with Joker and with Tarantino, you get a lot of that negativity associated with it just because of the the overall feel of the movie. Oh, you're going to inspire this and you're inspiring people to hate and, and kill and... It, it's it's not that's I don't see a correlation with it. Okay. Yeah, I mean, yeah, 
Yeah, I don't see it either. I had another question. It was about a soundtrack, but we already kind of like went down that. All of these questions I came up with leading up to this question. <laughs> I, I, like, I just wanted to like lure you guys into like feeling comfortable because I want your honest reaction to this. Uh, this last question I have. Have you noticed that he has a foot finish? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. And he even said it. Like, I think he said in an interview that I think there's like interviews with him that say, oh, yeah. <laughs> He likes feet. Like that's his fetish. Uh, he's a foot guy. We're, we're all like me. I'm in my late twenties. You guys are like in your early thirties. So we we've all like hey, grown hey, up hey, and, hey, 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 hey. <laughs> and and heard this game and stuff like that. Like you know, it'd be like another guy asking you. He's like, "Are you a tit or a butt man?" Quinn's that guy in the background yelling out feet. Mm-hmm. He's just like, "I love feet," and he and- knows it like in a pup. They, get, they do the whole foot massage conversation. Mm-hmm. And, and Mia Wallace's feet are the first thing that you see. Glorious Bastards, you have like the zoom in on her foot when she tries on the, the shoe. <laughs> the shoe. Yep. Yeah. Kill Bill has a follow shot of Uma Thurman's feet. When they're tickling the feet. Yeah. There, there's so many foot things. Like, I, I guarantee people are going to go back and start watching. Yeah. These Tarantino, holy shit! These guys are right. <laughs> yeah, it's a foot fetish thing. Well, not noticed. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not kink shaming the man at all. Yeah, for uh, real. It, it's like when I, when I, when it, when I read something that was like pointed out to me, I was like, holy shit! It, it's all there. Nope. It's not like he's like got feet hidden in the background and like symbolism <laughs> and stuff. Nope. <laughs> he puts it like even in once a time, uh, once upon a time in Hollywood, like. uh uh, the woman that's in the car with Brad Pitt, pussy cat, like her feet, like her dirty hippie feet are all about oh, the dashboard. Yeah. <laughs> and when Sharon takes us <laughs> at the movie theater and stuff, like I have never went to a movie theater where somebody like put their bare feet on the seat. <laughs> but uh, I'm sure it has happened. The patas, the patas, You know what? I got to go and rewatch all these movies now just to see that because it's the patas. The Patas are making a, a comeback in Quentin twi- movies. A comeback? They've always been present, bro. Yeah. And, and then, uh, uh, was it in, was it in Django? I mean, we uh, know he was walking. From dusk to dawn, the semi-hawk scene where she's dancing. Yeah. And she puts her foot in his mouth and she pours the alcohol. <laughs> oh, and he, he wrote that. <laughs> there we go. I just Look thought about that, that one. <laughs> okay. I see it now. I got to go watch me. I gotta go watch me from Dust to Dawn now. Yeah. I mean, hey, but yeah. let me just. Have you never seen Dust to Dawn? Oh. Go ahead, man. Go ahead. I'm, I'm gonna never, off a year. Yeah. Have you never seen from Dust to Dawn? Great flick. You see, George Clooney of all people is in that fucking movie. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, and then George, <laughs> you have George Clooney and you have Quentin as a, a, a Batman and Robin actor co-actor. Playing, yeah. ser- playing serial killers in that movie. It's just such a great movie. I really like Robert Rodriguez movies. I'm sorry. <laughs> it's just it's just a guilty pleasure of mine. Robert Rodriguez had such great movies. But yeah, go on. <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to throw this out there. You can answer. You don't have to. But what man would not want to drink off of some Hayek's foot? Ooh. Now? <laughs> Even now, some Hayek. <laughs> Oh my God! What what Pandora's box did I open? 
<laughs> I'm just saying she she's beautiful. And if she stuck her foot in my mouth and poured whatever, I would drink that alcohol. I don't and no no cap. I always I always tell Josh this. I always tell Josh, you really want one of those? And then one of those means a Latina woman. I mean because they're you know, they're they're wild. They're wild, they're wild ones. But um she's not she's one I wouldn't mind being a Tactica with me. Whoa, 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 Frank. Hey. <laughs> Hey. <laughs> I'm, I'm sorry. I was like, can we go and talk about his use of the N word? Let's go. Let's pivot to that. <laughs> I always tell Josh, you really want a Latina because they're they're a wild they're a wild group. Uh, I was like, Zulu, you, you had a very controversial <laughs> question. Um, I'm gonna agree with Frank because Frank's controversial statement there is, I'd say, truthful. Like from experience, that's also very truthful, but. Let's it, get back to Tarantino and his use of the N word. <laughs> I mean, was that controversial? I mean, I mean, you know, I'm not gonna yeah. answer because I don't want to get uh, canceled. But <laughs> yeah, we are probably canceled. Now. I'm sorry. <laughs> Thanks, Frank. <laughs> um, so let, let's move on because in my notes I had. Django, the controversy of racism and the N-word in his movies, but then if you watch Hateful Eight, there's some controversy in there, and like the thing that struck me is the way that people made it sound like, oh, Quentin Tarantino's racist, he's using the N-word in the movie, and that's not right, and his response was just like, it's a movie, and I'm trying to do it period correct, and if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. Oh. Yeah? In a nice way. <laughs> In an uh, way. I, I don't know if you guys like saw any of the yeah. of the uh, interviewers ask questions to like um, Sam Jackson was asked and like uh, Jamie Foxx was asked and they're like, no, he's the least racist person that I've ever worked with. So I don't know where who started it up, but it's like I said earlier, I think a lot of it is just people wanting to start shit out of nothing and. I think Django really kind of brought that to light because Tarantino even says there's only been a handful of films that use the N word the way I did and that make it, you know, almost period correct in the way, especially with slavery and Django and the N word and just the, the, the vibe and the feel of the movie was, it felt period correct. I mean, I don't know what you guys think about it, but that was, that was my thoughts on it. For sure. Uh, this country, it, it goes back like, before that, like even in like Jackie Brown, like Spike Lee had problems with it, and like that's it, he says like you know he I just got to make this like uh, statement something he's a writer director so like he when he writes he's writing in the voice of these mm-hmm. characters and that's how he feels he's like well this this is how these characters talk it's it, it's there in Reservoir Dogs it's there in Pulp Fiction a lot like uh, Samuel Jackson says. Quentin says it, like dead in word storage. Oh yeah, yeah. yeah. He's like, he's like, he's like, do you see that sign? And he's like, no, I don't see it. Uh, Jackie Brown, was it in Kill Bill? I'm like, I did, might have been. Mm-hmm. I, don't, I don't know. And, no, uh, it wasn't. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I'm um, just saying because. 
Yeah, uh, and Glorious Bass, like, they kind of, like, maybe, like, hinted at it and stuff like that when they're playing the games where they're trying to, like, guess about, like, what he is. And he was like, am I uh, oh, a slave? Yeah. And he was like, no, nah, King Kong. Oh, he says uh, that in German. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and then, you know, like, James was still like, that. Came, I think it was, like, 128. I might be off a couple N-words. And uh, the very first word from Daisy Dumagoo in the Hateful Eight is howdy N-word. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, oh no shit yeah yeah, yeah. I was, I was like, yeah. I mean when I did see it that's when the first thing I remember is him saying howdy <laughs> it's 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 like I I can get it like with some characters it's kind of jarring to hear like I guess like when it's used and stuff like that but like you said like he's writing in the voice of these characters and this is how they speak so that's how I feel about that and stuff like that. I can kind of see why, you know, some people have a problem with it, but I also see his reasoning for it, and he should be allowed to do it because, you know, he's an artist, and yeah. like Frank said, he's an artist. You got to let an artist work. Yeah. It goes back to that. You have to let these artists, the directors, no matter how bad they are, like Michael Bay, or no matter how good they are, like J.J. <laughs> Abrams, you got to let them work, you know? There's someone out there that's going to appreciate their art. I mean, sorry, Michael Bay. Hey, I mean, they appreciated Avengers Endgame, and I mean, that was an okay movie. Was that Michael Bay? No, no, that was just another shitty movie. Oh, okay. <laughs> oh man. <laughs> but yeah, <clears throat> it, it comes back to being an artist, letting the artist work. The directors are in the same view as you know painters um photographers anything uh, mm. athletes they're all artists in, in their own form and you gotta let them do what they do mm. and i will add on to that like most of these characters these are not good people just going around throwing the n-word around these are like terrible people in life of crime yeah it's the same thing back in the like, glorious bastards they're they're not using the N word to like be like, oh, um, you know, they're using it back in not in Glorious Bass, in Django. They're using it back in those days, like mm-hmm. the plantation days. I mean, what do you want him to say? I mean, he's trying to get you into that yeah. time frame. He wants to put you into the movie. And I mean, we, yeah. I, I, I will say watching it because I, I saw that in theater. It was like Christmas Eve or Christmas. <laughs> and like it, it, yeah yeah it's theater full of black people we're laughing and stuff and it's I, I, it's one of the many times the n-word was said and it was like two white guys laughing a little too hard <laughs> <laughs> and you could, like I, i'm just like kind of like crutched in my seat looking at them like all right you laughing a little bit too hard there <laughs> <laughs> it's funny but it's not that funny <laughs> no <laughs> what part were you referring to the whole movie? Yeah, oh, shit. I can't really remember. Like I said, yeah, they were just like laughing hard and stuff like that. Like the word was just being thrown around, around. Like they was like they were like comfortable laughing about it, and it was like you know nothing wrong with it. But it's just like I felt like a little bit. I was like, is anybody gonna be like, yo, shut the fuck up? <laughs> you, know, <laughs> you know, touching on that though, it's he also puts actors in their out of their comfort zone, like mm-hmm. Leonardo yes. DiCaprio said the n-word and i would never think i would hear him say it 
So that's another thing that he does so well is he takes them out of their comfort zone and has them explore different realms of their acting ability like to, to, to the point where Leonardo, Leo, you know, you have this Academy Award worthy, at the time he didn't win one, but an uh-huh. Academy Award worthy actor doing that that part and saying those words is just like, whoa, shit, like, hey, if anyone could do this, anyone could make this guy do this, it's Quentin. <laughs> Very good. And I think it's because their characters made you believe that they actually hated and like the use of their word was in hate. It wasn't just because they were acting like you almost felt like that was who they were. And kudos to the acting. Cause Holy shit. Like Leo was Leo really killed that fucking role in Django. And he kills, he kills everywhere. He's really an underappreciated, yeah. underrated yeah. actor. Are we going to have to do a Leo episode now? Yeah, it's a shame that he barely <laughs> won the... What are you waiting for? Uh, the Revenant. Wolf? The, Reven- yeah, the Revenant. Yeah. Of all movies to win it for. I mean, it's a great movie, but he could have won yeah. it with, with Wolf of Wall Street, with in, um, with Django. He could have won it with Gilbert Grape. I mean, he yeah. could have won it. Oh, for real? Yeah, he could have won that that part, that award with any part he plays. But I'm sorry. I'm, I like Leo. <laughs> <laughs> So, um, is this the point where we get into like his dialogue and conversations? Leo? No, Quentin. Oh, Quentin. <laughs> oh, yeah. If you if you want to talk about his dialogue, it's just what I I have this in my notes. What I noticed watching Pulp Fiction, watching mm, what else is there? Um, Inglorious. Like his first part of every movie is just dialogue that gets you ready for the movie. Right, right. Like it, it, the Pope, um, the Reservoir Dogs diner scene. Mm-hmm. It's just an iconic scene. Like <laughs> that, and then they're them walking to the cars in slow motion. It just gets remade in a lot of films that you don't notice. But then, if you actually notice it, you're like, "Oh, that's a cool scene." Where did they, they get that from? If you actually do research, it's all from Quentin from Reservoir Dogs. Is I think that scene was just perfect with the whole "I don't tip" with Steve yeah. Buscemi. Great. You, I'm glad you brought Why that was up. Buscemi That's... being a cheap ass. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm, I'm I'm glad you brought up Reservoir Dogs to tip and scene. Like I love how like when he says like I don't tip. Like even like Mr. Blunt, the most psychotic person, even he's offended. Yeah, <laughs> he just yeah. looks. He just like wait what? <laughs> I mean, it, it, and when I when I keep seeing that part and I'm thinking about it, I'm like, well. Steve Buscemi does have a part. Uh, 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 Mr. Pinky does have a point, but again, I don't want to get canceled, so I'm gonna. I tip good. I mean, I'm just saying. I'm t- I yeah, I was gonna say we we yeah. we're tippers. I'm a, we're yeah, tip. I have a tip. I I tip probably more than fifteen, but just saying, Steve Buscemi, uh, Mr. Pink does have a an actual <laughs> point when it comes to that. <laughs> I love my little violin. <laughs> I, I love how before that they're talking about Madonna's like a version. He's like, it's about big dick. <laughs> <laughs> He's like, it's, a, it's, a, it's just dick, dick, dick. And the other guy's just like, well, I like her earlier stuff. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, I know we're like, I know like Reservoir Dogs, like, we're not going to really like talk about that much. But like, Mr. Pink's my favorite character. He's the most logical person throughout the movie. Mm-hmm. He's he's just like we gotta be professionals. He's the first one to call our things for being a rat. 
he 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 gets off with the diamonds and stuff like that. Like to the end, like I, it kind of sounds like he gets arrested and stuff like that. But he he makes it out the warehouse. Uh, did you ever see the the deleted scenes for that movie? I did. Where um, you see, it's been so long since I've seen that movie. I don't know the deleted scene where um, he gets out of the warehouse and he gets shot. Mm-hmm. Is that in the movie or is that a deleted? Scene? Yeah, it, it's like at the end, like you kind of hear it. And stuff yeah. like that, but like, oh, okay, you don't yeah, really like know. yeah, mystery, I, right? Yeah, I had to like look that up too because, like, they was like, oh, you can hear the tires screeching and you hear the police yelling, get down. And I was like, I just see fucking uh, Mr. White and Mr. Horn tolling each other, okay, and, yeah. <clears throat> but there's an actual deleted scene where they actually show um, Mr. Pink leaving the warehouse, he's running to the train tracks, <laughs> and the cops are chasing him. So, if you go on YouTube, you can actually see that scene. I will, and yeah, I'm looking it up, there is. About 12 and a half minutes of deleted scenes from Reservoir Dogs. Yeah, and that's one of them, right? Is that one of them? Where he leaves the um, warehouse and they show him They show him get shot. He like goes into a group of um, of a group of people, like, you know, he's running down the street, and they do show him get shot. I, I want to bring up the ear cutting scene. Because there's it, no uh, comment, so I can't tell you what each one is, but... Mm-hmm. I'll, say, I'll send you the link. I'll put the link in the chat. There you go. I've, I've seen it before. Like I know I've seen that before. Either that or was from the video game, but I know it's there. I don't think I've seen any of these. No? Yeah, yeah I've seen them either. before. I haven't seen no. Uh, it was probably on my you know what? It was probably on my DVD because I have that twenty fifth anniversary or whatever from the DVD. So it was probably on there that yeah, I saw it. The Google search talks about the tenth anniversary DVD and that's where the, the scenes came from. Let me see. We definitely will get into that. But uh <laughs> I want, I want to bring up like the ear scene, like something like I got noticed because I, I watched this Monday, so it's still kind of like fresh in my mind. It's shocking, but it's also like slightly intimate because he like he was like, oh, do you notice like uh, the station is my favorite station? And like he's like playing with the radio to find a song. He's dancing for the guy and stuff like that. And then, like, when he cuts the ear off, and he was like, was that as good for you as it was for me? And I was just like, "Uh uh-oh, what's going on here? (laughs) Damn, Frank, there's a lot of... Okay, cool. I'm going to have to go watch all these damn scenes, because I've never seen any one of these. Really? Yeah, they're they're, they're pretty out there. (laughs) All the deleted scenes. I probably saw it on my DVD that I have here. I just pulled it out. Frank's uh, the MVP of this episode. He taught us what cigarette uh, cigarette uh, brand is. He's telling us about like these oddly facts about the movies. He's definitely <laughs> yeah. I was like, you definitely MVP this one, my friend. <laughs> and uh, I, like, I like Quentin. I mean, I want to do a Robert Rodriguez, but I think Quentin, you know, Quentin and Robert Rodriguez are really good friends. But another introduction to Quentin I had was, um, I mean, off topic was um, Desperado. When he came out in Desperado, Ooh. that was another mm-hmm. introduction to Quentin. My, well, I haven't yeah. seen Desperado since I was a kid, man. Yeah, no, he wasn't that. He's like talking about drinking the piss and oh, that's just piss water. There was a beer in Mexico. So, yeah, like my, introdu- my first introduction to Quentin was him as an actor, not a director. And when I found out he directed movies, I was like, whoa, shit. <laughs> so was he drinking a Corona or... Uh, <laughs> no, no. It, 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 
we we should do a watch on Desperado because that's such a great movie. It is. I was like, I'm down for that too. So, uh, what I would I would ask like, what are y'all like favorite characters of his? That was my next question too, Josh. Um, (laughs) Sorry, you want to take this one? You want to take the lead? (laughs) I like Mr. Pink. You gotta go, Mr. Pink. Um, Yeah, John the Jules and um, I forgot John Travolta's name. Um, what's it? Vincent, yeah. Jules and Vincent. Um, Zed's dead. Uh, what's his name? Bruce Willis's character. Butch. Uh, Butch, yeah. You see, I don't know their names. <laughs> but then we don't even touch like kill <laughs> the Kill Bill characters with uh, Uma Thurman, um, all of the Apache. Um, there's just so many that he makes. My favorite altogether has to be Jules because he delivers uh-huh. so many one-liners. <laughs> like, does he look like a bitch? Like, I mean... <laughs> You could quote Jules that whole movie, and it's just perfect. And Samuel Jackson plays it to a T. Perfect yeah. when he plays how he plays Jules. I would have to go Jules. Those are some of my uh, favorite too. And I would add, uh, I like the guy uh, Paul from uh, Pulp Fiction. He's the guy like at the bar, like when they walk in, and he was like, "Oh, I hear you taking Mia Wallace on a date." And he was like, what? Everybody heard that? And he was like, hey, man, my name is Paul, and that's between y'all. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I, I like Winston Wolf. Like how he said, I'll be there in like 10 minutes. He, he's there in like nine minutes and 37 seconds. Yeah. And uh, Cliff Booth, Rick Dalton, those are some fun characters right there and stuff like that. Like, we never know. If Cliff killed his wife or not, that's that's a mystery. <laughs> I'm gonna say Dr. King Schultz. Yeah. Like I, Christoph Waltz oh. just kind of blew me away. And I really yeah, right. the way he was so polite, but also a savage asshole, like I loved it. Yeah, Django. Yeah. I think yeah. Dr. King Schultz is probably my and I know. Jules and Vincent, like they have these iconic roles, but mm-hmm. um, Dr. King Schultz is definitely like one of my uh, my favorite characters from his film. That's great. We haven't even touched on Christopher Waltz because he, what, what Quentin brought out in that guy. Did you know him before Inglorious? I didn't know him about him before Inglorious. No. I, I know no. the big movie, but you cut out. What did you say? Did you know Christopher Waltz before Inglorious Bastards? Because I know the movie buffs, so you know, the ones that actually. Like, study it for a living probably knew who he was he was probably on broadway a couple of episodes a couple of shows he probably did broadway i mean he seems like a broadway guy mm-hmm. but he i mean quentin brought him and he just delivered i mean it's a shame that we haven't seen him in a lot of roles since then but i like christopher waltz his two uh quentin roles did he come out on hateful eight and what did he come what? out in did he come out in hateful eight no, no, he wasn't. No, he, was just, he, he wasn't. It was just Inglorious and Django. Yeah, yeah. He needs he needs more roles. Django. Just, that was like two 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 great roles and stuff like that. I would love wanna... to see him in a Coen Brothers movie. That would be Ooh. great to see him in one of those in that kind of movie. Oh, that that is a good idea. I was like, if they do that, they got to cut you a check. They probably won't. <laughs> they probably won't. They probably won't they'll do some of that Hollywood. They'll do some of that Hollywood accounting. You be like, this movie made five hundred million dollars. They're like, nope, we didn't even break even. 
So, uh, quick little tidbit here on Christoph Waltz. He's actually pl- playing Mikhail Gorbachev in a TV miniseries. You see, and that's what's great about him is, like, like they said, he probably came from the theater, right? Do you have that on your notes, or um, is that just me tripping that he came from theater? Uh, He's I'm looking big, him up right now, and he does a lot of foreign TV shows. That's what I was thinking. Like, TV, he was probably like, TV, yeah, like very popular, like in his native country before. And Glorious Bastards really broke him out. Uh, so. What you're saying? Well, you guys can correct me. When you're saying Christopher Waltz, it's Christoph Waltz. <laughs> yeah, Christoph. Yeah, I keep saying Christopher Waltz. What the? So hell? his oh, first yeah. thing that he ever shot was in <laughs> night was in 1977. Okay. Yeah, it's, it's been a while. That's crazy how he won it. Some time, but it's all been for. He won an Academy for Best Supporting Actor for Inglorious, right? Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So he. he like I said, Quentin brings them out, man. He brings the best out of these actors. And like, just getting back to like that dialogue, like, you know, like you said, like you, you have such iconic, like even scenes like you don't really like think about and stuff like that. Like well, when I was talking about the foot massage scene, when he was like, oh, he threw uh, Antoine Rocky Moore out the window and he was just like, motherfucker do that to me. That motherfucker better kill me fucking up the way I talk. <laughs> A Royale with cheese? Yes. Brett. You got a big brain on Brett. <laughs> You're a smart motherfucker. You're a smart motherfucker. <laughs> or like at the end in the diner, and he was like, you tell that bitch to be cool. Tell that bitch to chill out. <laughs> it's just like all these like scenes like that. It's just like these amazing... Like, uh, Bring, uh, I want to bring up the what scene again or something. I like how it starts oh. off as like uh, a dialogue. Like he's like, what? What country ain't no stuff like that? Then it turns into like a monologue where he's giving like the Ezekiel 25, 17. <laughs> and like you you get like this close up of Samuel Jackson. And maybe this just is my imagination. Like when it close up on him, you can see like the Jerry Carroll juice and the spit coming from his mouth. <laughs> yeah. English mm-hmm. motherfucker, do you speak it? He's like, what furious anger. <laughs> oh, man. When he quoted that Bible, that little Bible verse, I'm just like, damn. Like, seeing it now, you appreciate it. But when I was younger, I was like, damn, I don't want to mess with that guy. <laughs> if Samuel Jackson showed up to my apartment. Uh-huh. The, the funny thing is, he doesn't even really know what it means. <laughs> and he still uses it when he's going to kill somebody. Cause it was just some cool shit just to say before you yeah, kill somebody. Just... <laughs> <laughs> Imagine that being the last thing you hear. Uh, and John Travolta never made a movie with Quentin after Pulp Fiction, huh? Because he's he brought out a, a, a really good John Travolta too. Uh-huh. It's just like I'm just saying, Quentin you know, I think brings it was out supposed the to best. Be somebody else. What for that role? Vincent was supposed to yeah, be. Yeah, he was supposed poly- to. Uh... <laughs> We have to do was, some research on that. Yeah, I think was, I I heard about that too. Actually, it, it was, was supposed to be someone else. Couple guys, I think like he wanted Daniel Day Lewis. That thing, I know that was one. Oh yeah, yeah I know uh, that was one. It's because I'm like you. You gotta think like John Travolta's career. It it had went through like a dark period, and like it, he was making like look who's talking, look who's talking to, where he's like talking to a baby and shit. <laughs> Michael. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Hey, I don't think I forgot about Michael and, and uh, what's the other one? Where Phenomenon? 
Yeah, well, no. two movies one, I have. Right? Yeah, two yeah, movies yeah. I haven't seen. But yeah, like this, he wasn't like, <laughs> you know, like he was a long way from Saturday Night uh, Live, well, Fever or whatever the dance movie in Greece. He was before that. Like Bruce Willis had been uh, had been in a couple flops. This is a couple years after Die Hard, and uh, like I don't know if you guys like noticed it, it's somebody I follow on YouTube called DJ Academics, and he'll talk about like music. And he'll talk about guys getting a Drake stimulus package. Like when they get like that Drake feature and their career just skyrockets. Well, Bruce, Will- Bruce Willis and John Travolta got that Quentin Tarantino stimulus package. <laughs> <laughs> it's like you go in there, he remodeled their career and stuff like that. Like it's just like, hey, whatever you do after you get this chance, that's y'all. And like Frank said, he chose to do Michael and Phenomenon. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's true. Like, he could have gone so, so uh, many. He could have gone down so many roads, but he chose to go like Michael Face Off. I mean, Face Off. Nothing wrong with Face Off. Yeah, Face Off. <laughs> Broken Arrow. You know how I feel about Face Off. Yeah. <laughs> he was in Broken Arrow, right? That was him too, or was that yeah. just Nick Cage? Yeah, Broken yeah. Arrow, um, Battlefield Earth. <laughs> Back to the low points. <laughs> <laughs> I say no. I'm just saying like it's because Quentin gave him the rub and he didn't run with it, man. Honestly, yeah. Like he just he kind of kept going after that. Who, uh, uh, John Travolta? He kept going with like the yeah. like, the, like the, the the media. He kept, it's better than sound. He kept going with media media roles after that. Like mediocre. he didn't. Yeah, mediocre roles. He didn't really um, touch on his. Quentin dive, you know, because Quentin brought out the best of him. Mm-hmm. I just would have been like, I'm part of the Quentin Tarantino stock uh, yeah. company. <laughs> <laughs> Anything he wants me to do, I'm there. Like, I just would have been like, just give me some of that dialogue, player. <laughs> <laughs> so I have a question for you guys. Okay. Um, how would you guys feel if Tim Roth was Vincent and Gary Oldman was Jules? Mm. It doesn't. Work. You see, it doesn't work now yeah. because I know how the movie is. I know, like, my mindset is: tell me all Jackson and Jules, John Travolta. Yeah. Like, it doesn't work. Like, I mean, I can't see anyone in those characters. But I mean, if, if I had to see it, Tim Roth, maybe as Vincent, right? Maybe and Gary Oldman as Jules. No, I don't see Gary Oldman as Jules. Yeah. No, That's the one that I'm having trouble yeah, yeah, in my head. That. It's because Vincent was more like the quiet guy. Like Jules, like you had to have like someone as loud and powerful as Samuel L. Jackson to play that character. Agree, agree. I, I can see Gary Oldman as maybe Gary not Gary Owens, Gary uh, Oldman as maybe Marcellus Wallace, maybe. Yeah, like someone like that. But yeah, for maybe. Jules, the only one I could the only other person I could see playing Jules would probably be like Denzel. Or, but even okay. then, like, yeah, because you have to be loud and powerful. You have to not just you can't just bring the dialogue. You have to bring the look mm-hmm. too. Like, you have to look cool with the like Josh said, the dirt clothes <laughs> and all that. And Samuel L. Jackson looked cool. Like seeing that he had the beard going, the handlebar mustache. He had everything. So the role of Jules was actually written for him, but Sam Jackson, when he went to the reading, thought it was just a reading. Because he thought it was going to go to Paul Calderon. Yep. That's the guy that plays Paul at the bar. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) And then uh, Tarantino actually considered Michael Madsen for Vincent Vega. Maybe. 
I don't know about that one either. I'm I'm glad he went with these with these two. Yeah. I don't see any other duo that could have done it as well as them two. Uh, I like I I like I like that he wrote the dancing scene before he cast John Tavos because they kind of added like a whole new element and stuff like because you remember like John Tavos from dancing and then like when they when they when they do like the dance competition he's like oh shit we're about to see some magic (laughs) and he's doing the twist and the slide (laughs) and stuff like that. Oh, and here's a fun little tidbit. Harvey Weinstein actually pushed for Daniel Day-Lewis to be uh, Vega, too. Okay. We don't talk Harvey Weinstein on this. Yeah, no, I'm, just, I'm reading the article, okay? <laughs> that, that's one of those things, like, you know, it, it's like you you know he's there, and, like, he's very yeah, powerful he, to he quit career and stuff like that but yeah like that even, that, even, fuck even, that even, guy. even yeah <laughs> even quentin canceled him he's like oh i would never yeah and then like what they you know like that whole uma thermal situation with kill bill yeah. and like the crash and it's just like yeah uh, like i'll just repeat fuck that guy and, and it's weird <laughs> seeing his name in the credits too like i was watching what yesterday and i was like what the fuck why is he still there like Take him out already. It's weird. Yeah, it's the same thing with Kevin Smith movies. Like, because everyone, like, I mean, we're, I'm not going to go down that rabbit hole, but yeah, we don't talk Harvey Weinstein. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, go ahead, Josh. I, I will say, like, you know, like when you don't, like, uh, when you're watching on TV and, like, you see, like, the credits, the cast and crew, and, like, you see, like, all the actors' names, and you see, like, the executive producers, and you see, like, him and his brother, they look like fucking creeps. <laughs> They do. So I don't want to get into like the whole like if it you know if it sounds yeah. like a duck, it is a duck because you know it's a lot of people that look creepy that are not creepy. They're lovely people. These two motherfuckers are not. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's all I got in my notes. I don't know if you guys had anything else you want to talk about, but the floor is yours. Let me see. Let me see. Let me bring up my little notebook here. <laughs> Have you gotten a new one yet? Yeah, I got a little. I got a little. Yeah, I showed you. I got a little, uh, little memo book. Oh, that's right. Um, no, I mean, go watch Death Proof. I mean, people, like I said, people, because I, I, people who I know are movie buffs don't mm. watch. Never heard of Death Proof, <laughs> and like I said, it's because it was connected to Planet Terror. And Planet Terror is another type of movie. You know, it's nothing to do with Quentin. Quentin comes out in it. But it has nothing to do with like you know how his film style is. It's just out of out of the world gory. It's like a gory movie. But Death Proof is more like dialogue and then a car chase and then a lap dance. It's just great filmmaking. And when I say that, you people are like, what the hell is this guy talking about? He's a total dude. But no, it's a really good movie. <laughs> yeah. But okay. like, and that's that's what Quentin does. He makes. Um, sleeper movies that turn out to be really great like once upon a time in hollywood was you know like there was no action it was really slow people didn't like it because like, ah, it's not quentin but no it actually was a good movie Agreed. he makes yeah he makes movies that are like you know like silent great movies like good great movies that no one talks about death proof was the perfect movie to uh Push that part. Like I said, when you told me, I was like, I have no idea what the fuck you were talking about. <laughs> yeah, it's just like, yeah, I agree. I would say uh, check out Hateful 
<laughs> I, yeah, I, I, it's just yeah. I'm gonna do what Zoli said, watching in parts because I saw up to where they got to the the house, and I'm just like, fuck, like it's still three more hours of this, <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with it. But it's just like, god damn, like <laughs> it's really long, man. And like I'm telling you, if you watch it in the little parts, it's perfect. It doesn't really right. make you feel like you're there for four hours. You enjoy it because it leaves you wanting the next scene and the next answer and, and it keeps you guessing. Okay. Cause yeah, I, I gotta go back and rewatch it. I gotta it, explore that movie again. It, it has some good, uh, characters in it too. Like Walter, uh, Cogman, like what we said, like it's Chris Mannix, like when they're in the, uh, the carriage and like, and they get to talking and he was, and uh, Samuel Jackson asked him, he's like, well, how many black towns did you get? And he was like, Oh, my fair share major. And he's like, cause when, uh, when, uh, when black people are scared, that's when white people feel safe. And Samuel Jackson like cocks his gun at him. He was like, "Whoa, whoa, 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 whoa! You got me talking <laughs> politics. I didn't want to." <laughs> and he's like, "I think I'll just scoot right here next to this window and rock myself to sleep about how lucky I am." <laughs> so, and uh, the Hateful Eight also won the Academy Award for Best Original Score. Okay. Yeah, yeah. So we're big it. on uh, we're big on music here. Can you tell? Mm-hmm. A little bit from Joker to even Endgame. Yeah, that's, like, that's true. We did talk about it in Endgame. I, I, um, I touched on that. Only part I like that movie. <laughs> <laughs> I think the only movie that's we, we touched on, yeah, is Kill Bill. Yeah, I mean, and that's a good movie. It's a kung fu movie. And yeah. That's what's so good about Quentin is he makes different movies like. Yeah, Kill Bill Kung Fu movie, a Hateful Eight, I'm guessing, is a Western movie. Yeah, yeah, and then Once Upon a Time in Hollywood is like one of those, like, you know, dialogue movies. It's just, he's just so good. Like, Quentin is just just perfect. (laughs) I don't know, what's his next movie? I know he was trying to make a Charles Manson movie, but I'm not sure if that ever got greenlit. Uh, I think mostly, like, he just probably put that into, like, Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. But no, I think he actually wanted to do a Charles Manson. I don't know, mm-hmm. like we would have to research on that. But I know he wanted he he had a a theory, like he had like a uh, a mindset to do a Charles Manson movie. He, and I I read that he wanted to do that. I'm not he, sure. I mean, he's got a lot of unrealized like projects, like Luke Cage, Hero for Hire. Like he was looking at like a rated R Star Trek. Yeah, that uh, one too. I heard about that. One. Yeah, like like the. The Vegas brothers and stuff like that, Vince Vega and Vic Vegas. You know, just like this is a person that is very passionate about what he likes and he puts that passion into every film that he does. Like you said, like with Kill Bill Bill and uh, a Kung and stuff like that. Like you, you see those old Saw Brothers films that he was like inspired by. So Tarantino's actually writing a book and he says, and this is an article from IndieWire that he thinks he's done with movies right now. He's given all I have to give, but he's hoping to finish his book this month. And then uh, he's saying for his 10th movie, there will be a 10th one. Yes, I have no idea what it's going to be. It's going to be a little bit down the line. So we probably have a little bit of way to go before the next uh, film. But I mean, whatever it is, I'm excited for it because it's it's Tarantino. What do you think? What do you think he explores next? That's my last question, I guess, to you guys. What does he explore next? Like he's already touched everything. What is his next exploration? That's, 
how does it go? And I was like, ah, I have no, I didn't like, uh, you know, Chris Simmons over there. I'm just very excited. Like, I know, like, he, he had a hard line of, like, 10, like, 10 being, like, he's, like, he said, like, he's like, if I get the 10 without messing up, I, I consider that a good career. See, that's a horror. I would like to see him do a horror one. Like, you know, you know, you see these directors, they don't, you don't think they could do what they do. You had Kevin Smith doing um, Red State and um, mm-hmm. Husk. I mean, Quentin, I think, could touch on the horror genre. Yeah, uh, he, he has comment about that. Like, he was saying, like, if I do like a horror, it'll probably be like really nasty. Yeah. And so. Disgusting and stuff <laughs> like that. I was like, I, I, I was like, I can see it. And I'm guessing that he would like go feed off of Robert Rodriguez because Robert Rodriguez is really big on horror movies. So kind of like those gore movies too. So he will definitely feed off of him, probably get some tips from Robert Rodriguez, mm-hmm. know, but make it even more glory, more gory. Yeah. I don't know. So I would, I want to see Quentin do a horror movie next. Yeah, I'll be down for that. A lot of blood and new ways to kill people. I love it. New ways to kill people. <laughs> it's like, it will give me that whole, um, I can't remember what the fucking name is, but it was on Netflix I saw a while back, but like they kill someone with a wood wood chipper. Um, yeah, it's just, I want to see Quentin direct these movies and find ways to kill people. <laughs> <laughs> he's like, creative I, at it shit yeah. Yeah, he's like I already did somebody with a car <laughs> <laughs> give me a, 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 a what do you call it uh, NR rating like not rated movie Quentin what, is see, it? what do we get that in the cinemas or what would we have to wait for I DVD? would love no I I think we get that in the cinemas I mean no I don't think we get that in cinemas nowadays uh, people are going to be <laughs> people will cancel it real quick but mm-hmm. we would have to wait for the cinema to get that I mean, for the DVD to get that. But yeah, give me Quentin in a horror genre movie, and he could retire after that. I don't care. But I want to see him do a horror movie. Or a romantic, a romantic, a rom-com movie. Imagine him doing a rom-com movie. I just thought about that. <laughs> I just thought about that. Imagine Quentin doing a rom-com. <laughs> I mean, that's not anywhere near what he would do, but I, I know he's not going to do it. But I mean, just seeing Quentin doing a rom-com would be different. Funny enough, he could, he could pull sure. it off. He, yeah. If anyone could pull it off, it'd be him. Yeah, you know, like he, he could he could pull it off. I'm trying to remember. I'm like, does he like rom coms? I, I don't know if I read somewhere that like that's something like that he liked. And then when I read, I was like, him really? Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I was like you said, like a uh, horror, maybe another like crime drama, like Pulp Fiction or Jackie Brown. He might be completely. But he's like one of them guys like, you know, you let him take his time because I know uh, he got married a couple years ago. He had a kid and, you know, like he he writes in the race and it, it takes a lot of time to do that and to do it right. So whenever he he's like he's he's that friend that comes over to your house that you always glad to see. <laughs> <laughs> or like that family member. Like he's think, never that person that's knocking at the door and you were like, yo, just go to the door and tell him I'm not home. <laughs> <laughs> All right, boys. Anything else y'all want to add? Watch Death Proof. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to title movie. this episode, Watch Death Proof. Because <laughs> I, yeah. I love that movie. It's such a good movie. It's like watch, but, watch Jackie Burrow. Yeah, Jack Brown too. I watch any Quentin movie. <laughs> yeah. I was like, I was like, we did not. We could have easily talked about Kill Bill, like that. 
Yeah, that scene. I mean, if I had to choose a bad one, which is not really bad, it'd probably be Kill Bill Volume 2. Okay, I can see that. I, I didn't that. really... I wasn't feeling that one that much. Mm-hmm. Even though El Paso, you know, got a shout out, <laughs> but still, I was still wasn't feeling it. <laughs> there was a church, there was a massacre in the church. Shout out El Paso. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, he doesn't make bad movies. I mean, yeah. me personally, not feeling it doesn't mean it was a bad movie. Yeah. Except it, unless it's uh, Endgame, that was a bad movie. But yeah, don't don't get mad, Frank. Like I, I would say, like his worst movie might be Deadpool, and that's not a bad movie. <sighs> I want to, like I had to throw that in quick. You're waiting the whole hour. I was gonna say, no, 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 no. Josh waits till the end of the show to talk to you. No, I had to wait sure I threw that in quick. That, that it's not oh. a bad move because he, he is he has never <laughs> made one and stuff like that. But like, if you had to like rank them and stuff like that, like their fruit would be like kind of towards. But because that just shows you like everything else is so good. That's because people don't watch it because it was like not connected to a. It's, it was in its own standalone movie. That's I, what I'm. Yeah, I, I will admit of all of them, that's probably the one I've seen the least. <laughs> so yeah, so I was like, we definitely yeah, I would definitely say Death Proof and stuff like that. We'll give that a watch, and yeah, I, like I said, we could have definitely talked about like. Kill Bill. I was saying, like, that first scene, like, where she gets, like, shot and, like, the Nancy Sinatra bang bang song, or when she's, like, in the coffin and she's breaking out the coffin. I think I've only seen Kill Bill probably twice. Mm-hmm. Then you had, um, what's her name? What was the one she fought with the cereal box? Oh, uh, Victoria A. Fox. Yeah, yeah, man, that was such a good fight. And then you had the little girl come in, and then it was like it, it was such a good fight. And then at the end, it was emotional because you know it's really sad. And then you just see you with them and walk away like a badass. And, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm glad you brought up. That's another unrealized project that he had. Like he he wanted to do a part three where the little girl grows up and she wants her revenge. Yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, I heard about that too. That the little girl was going to seek out her revenge against Uma Thurman. So what if that's the next Tarantino film? It could be. I wouldn't want it to be because I still want to see his horror movie. But I mean, I wouldn't mind it. That's a revenge flick. It'd give me like the old. And if he does a revenge flick, it'll give me like old boy vibes. Like, I mean, have you seen that one? Zoli, have you seen that one? Yeah. Uh, great movie. The, the talking, original one. Not the, not, uh, not the original. We're talking about the Spike Lee version. Yes. Nah, yeah. <laughs> That's what I saw. The Spike Lee version is all right, but the original one, oh, that was a perfection. Okay. I'm going to have to, I'm going to write this down so I go watch. I'm going to go watch Death Proof um, and I'm going to rewatch Kill Bill and then I'll maybe we'll, we'll, we'll throw some in in the, in the next episode just at the beginning. Yeah. Kill Bill holds okay. up. Well, I have to rewatch that one too because it's been a while too. Yeah, you I, had, um, I, I'm a creature habit. Lucy Lou, that's her name, right? Lucy Lou. Yep. Yeah. And she comes out with a, and she just chops the kiss with her little chain and ball, knocks mm-hmm. people's heads off. Man, it's such a great scene. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy eighty-eight too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And a shitload of blood. 
Yeah, very. Oh, yeah. Very, <laughs> very much. I like the guy. She's, where are you going, Charlie Brown? <laughs> <laughs> um, all right. So I think that's it for this episode, guys. Um, again, thanks for listening. Thanks for tuning in. If you guys want to support the show, there's a whole slew of links in our uh, description. But like I said, and like we always say, the best thing you guys can do is just share it with the world. We are growing up in, uh, in listens. So uh, I appreciate everybody kind of getting out there and putting the show out for everybody to listen to, even though y'all didn't like the first episode because we, we hated on a superhero movie that was near and dear to oh, many. Goddamn. <laughs> I was going to do like a weekly rant with me and Endgame. Every time I hear see a bad movie, it's going to be Endgame level bad. Jesus. <laughs> it's just, yeah. But, but anyways, you know what? Thanks y'all for Jeez. listening. I'm, I'm going to cut Frank off before we keep going with this. <laughs> Go ahead, Frank. To that defense, to that, de- to that defense, a lot of people told me um, <laughs> Infinity War is a better movie. So I seen Infinity War. It was a better movie, but it's still bad. <laughs> that's that's kind of sad when somebody gives you their best and you're just like, nope, not good enough. <laughs> <laughs> All right, y'all. We will see you uh, next week. D is silent. I know.